Hey there, everyone. You're listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding adventure every day and making your life a little more interesting. From Dallas, Texas, I'm James Barrett, joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Michael DeRosiers in Bangkok, Thailand. Hey, James, what's going on today? It is hot, my friend. It is very hot. I've heard that. Well, it's a good thing that the Texas electrical grid is built for heat and not cold, so, mm-hmm. good thing made a big point of, of explaining that to everyone this winter, right? Yeah, it'll do just fine in the heat, and, you know, I, I'm so upset. <laughs> like, I I just, it's if it's not meant for cold, it should be meant for heat, but it's not meant for either. No. Apparently. And then they're trying to blame wind power. They're like, well, there's no wind right now. It's like, wind is like 2% of... <laughs> Texas's power grid. Yeah. Well, the more troubling thing is that there was a fire at Comanche Peak, and and that didn't make the news. Like the power, the nuclear station caught fire. That should be really terrifying to people. Yeah, and I didn't know about that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. That that was a big but, deal. That's the one in Fort Worth that people forget is there. Oh, you forget yeah, that there's, there a, there's a nuclear power plant like. It's out in, like, Glen Rose. It is in Glen Rose. Yeah, I didn't know about that one. That's good to know. Thanks, Texas. But no, it is currently 100 degrees, and my thermostat has a little heat index thingy. It said 120. I mean, as, as excited as I was for coming back home this summer, you know, part of me is not horribly disappointed about missing that. You know, people talk about Bangkok and how hot it is here, and it is, but it's hotter elsewhere it's just that it's more consistently hot here they you know there's this statistic and statistics can be very misleading people don't understand statistics but bangkok is the hottest capital in the world and people think oh man it must be so hot there and, and it, i guess it, yeah it's hot but it never gets up to 100 degrees i mean it's always in like the high 80s or the 90s really except maybe maybe in the middle of summer but Bangkok's average temperature is like 80, whereas Dallas's is like 50, you know, like because it gets real cold in the winter. Like that's averages. Statistics are. Yeah, it's it's very misleading. Yeah, people get confused by statistics. I think a lot of people just don't get them. <laughs> well, James, last week you didn't you hadn't done anything new. And so you received a penalty and your penalty was to go out and visit a historical marker. Did you do that? Yes, I did. Tell me about it. What'd you see? So I was I was over near where my parents live, and right over there, there's the Johnson Station Cemetery. There is a historical marker. It is not a national one. It is a Texas one. <laughs> sure. I was mistaken on that, and it's um not as interesting as I would have hoped. It's just old. Well, wasn't Johnson Station the original name of Arlington? Mm-hmm. And then they, like renamed it Arlington after Robert E. Lee came to town? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, <laughs> I think we know why. Yeah. So, I mean, it that's the thing with historical markers, is they're not always interesting. No, I know. <laughs> You'll see a sign. I want you to tell uh-huh. me if you've ever been on a road trip 
and you see a sign that says historical marker one mile ahead if you've ever stopped. No. No one has, ever. And you'll just, you'll pull up to one and it's just like in a cornfield. And they're like, on this spot in 1822, a plane crashed. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm amazed that they had planes in 1822. I would be quite interested in that. The time traveling. Sorry, a train derailed. There we go. Sure. Not that interesting. But hey, but you, you saw something new. Like, would you ever have gone to Johnson Station Cemetery? No. And will I ever go again? No. No, but you saw something new. <laughs> I did. Well, what about you? Did you do anything new or adventurous this week? Yeah, I did. Last week when we talked, I was going out to the bike track, the airport. I went to go check that out. I sent you some pictures of it. It's pretty incredible. Everyone there is really serious about cycling. <laughs> you know, they all have the uh, the padded pants and the bikers outfits. And <laughs> Were you just wearing a t-shirt and like cargo shorts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's a super cool place. It's this giant, I think, 24, 25-kilometer track that goes around the whole airport. I mean, obviously, airports need a lot of just empty land because, you know, they got to land the planes, <laughs> obviously. And they're using the land, and it's pretty cool. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, there's, like, cafes and restaurants there as well. And um, there's, like, a little kid's track for kids to play around on and, and learn to bike. But you can also rent bikes. So you can show up and you can rent bikes anywhere between, I think the cheaper ones were like 400 baht for the day, which is like 12 bucks. And the expensive ones were like 900, hmm. which is like 30 for the day. So like, it's not bad, but it's, it's still um, not bad, but really good quality bikes. You know, it's different from like Ayutthaya where you rent a bike for like a hundred baht mm -hmm. for a day. And it's just like a junker, like <laughs> one gear. And then you wish you had spent 200 baht and yeah. got a mountain bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's really cool. They have this neat system called Snap, which is like a wristwatch kind of thing. It looks like an Apple Watch, but it's a payment system. You load it up, and then whenever you go anywhere, it's all contactless. You just pay by scanning your little watch. If you want a bottle of water, just beep. You know, you get your bottle of water. Or, um, when you enter the track, you scan in with that as well. So we had to get that hmm. all set up. Um, you have to register it because it is a, a digital payment system. So we had to register that. But it's a really neat place. Very modern, very high-tech. It's the largest bike track in all of Asia. It's called the Bangkok Happy and Healthy Skylane. <laughs> it looked really cool. Awesome. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, this is just a reminder to enter our monthly challenge, which is an activity designed to get you out exploring your own local area, doing something new and interesting. This month, your challenge is to practice your nature photography and photograph a bird James would very much prefer a pigeon, but any bird would do. Mm -hmm. Pigeon or a seagull. Or a seagull. I enjoy both of those. Yeah, they're both hilarious. I'd also like to say thanks to one of our listeners, Rob, who sent me an email suggesting that I check out the photography of Sir Simon Marsden, who took super cool black and white infrared photos of castles and graveyards and stuff like that. Really awesome. His photos look like something out of an old Hammer horror film. And I will link his portfolio in the show notes, which you can see on our website, attemptadventure.com. Really cool stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Rob. We love our listeners giving us recommendations for things. It helps us discover new things. Yeah, for sure. Please write in. If you've been on an adventure and you want to share it, or if you just have anything interesting that you want to share, let us know.
So James, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking a little bit about rediscovering our adventure spirit. Because I know for me, there have been times in my life where it's just sort of, it takes sort of a backseat to the rest of it. You're not thinking about it. You're not actively trying to have adventures or even experience new things. You just sort of stagnate. And so I, w I wanted us to talk about sort of what keeps us motivated and what sort of prompted us to really get back into this sort of full bore. Broad strokes for me. And actually, we kind of touched on this with Greg a couple weeks ago. It's having a personal project. That really helps me get motivated for adventuring, even if it's for no one else but myself. Starting a side blog or just finding a new a new hobby like the infrared photography. Sometimes that is what it takes for me to kind of rediscover my adventuring spirit when I get bored or tired or kind of burned out. For me, it's so easy to not because having adventures and experiences takes work it's not always the easiest you want a good picture you gotta go somewhere and get it yeah to experience something you have to go through the things to get that experience and it's very easy at least for me to be like oh i'll do it later or i will because i i'm lazy by nature but i really enjoy experiences so it's sort of combating myself i'm very excited for yeah change of scenery mine and my fiance's move because it'll be a change of scenery it's a new place lots of things to right. do and explore right. because around here I've, i grew up here i've lived here my whole life yeah you've seen most and stuff i've seen most things around here and so there's very little new to experience right. and so would i rather go experience something that i've done a million times and maybe isn't even that interesting or would i rather <laughs> sit at home and watch tv and this, this podcast really helps me sort of rekindle that flame a little bit, especially for the outdoor stuff. Sometimes it's hard to motivate yourself to want to go outside and do a bunch of yeah. things. Because, I mean, let's face it, being outside is often uncomfortable. Yeah. It's either too hot, too cold, too bright, too dark, mm -hmm. whatever. It's something. But it's the overarching experience that you're after. You know, obviously I can't speak for you, but for me anyway, I really value new experiences. And for mm -hmm. me, that's been the worst part of COVID is just not being able to do new stuff. I've liked I, I've liked the staying home, actually. I've enjoyed <laughs> it. It's gone on a little bit longer than I thought, but way, way, way back in an early episode of Ear Goggles, I was saying how I kind of felt left out because everyone else was getting locked down and life was pretty normal here. I thought it was going to be a two-week thing. Well... I would have enjoyed two weeks off, but I don't mind. I don't mind the staying home part. I don't mind the not seeing people part. Really, what I do mind no. is being prevented from doing new stuff easily. No, I completely agree with you on that. You know, I have traveled through most of this pandemic. You can judge me if you want. Well, but you've driven. I mean, it's a bit. I've different. always been safe. Yeah, I've always been very cautious and very safe when I have traveled. However, I always felt a little guilty doing mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I was going and searching for these experiences. I went to Colorado during the pandemic three times. Yeah. I've been to New Mexico, and that was the one I felt sort of the most weird about. It was during sort of the peak of everything, and everything was closed. And I'm up there, and I'm just like, I'm treating this like a vacation. Right. And it's it's not. But at the same time, I was getting just completely stir-crazy. Right. There's only so much doing nothing that you can do right. and this is probably a little we've gone off topic a little bit but 
it's all sort of what led us to led us to this really because recently i've had much more of a desire to go out and experience Mm -hmm. things really since we've started our camping episodes again i've really been itching i think the pandemic has made me really appreciate these things i kind of took them for granted Mm -hmm. before quite honestly you do live in an interesting place or a place at least that most people would probably say oh that's a pretty yeah that's an interesting place to live and i know for a while you can correct me if i'm wrong but you sort of again you, you take it for granted I kind of got used to the city. I just kind of got used to Bangkok. Yeah, it's just where you live. It's your home. And it's easy to see you walk by these temples every day and you're just, oh, mm-hmm. it's a temple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for someone like me, that's that's nuts. Why is that, what's that <laughs> right. doing there? I mean, same reason a church would be there, but you know what I mean. And I think most people are probably pretty guilty of taking where they live for granted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe not if you live in like, uh, I'm not going to call out anybody's home <laughs> but you know who you are <laughs> if if you live in somewhere that's got nothing then maybe you're a little different but even dallas as urban and whatever as it is there's some good stuff oh, here yeah, for sure and it's a, it's an interesting city once you sort of get beneath the surface of it and i've i've definitely not explored dallas really yeah. at all my brother has lived in Dallas for years. I've gone to see him. I've been to downtown mm-hmm. sometimes, and but nothing really to sort of get to know the sure. city. I've lived here 17 months, 16 months now, and we moved here in February, and then the pandemic. And so we're, we haven't really been exploring, and now we're about to move. We've spent our entire time living in Dallas, basically locked at right. home. And for me, it's been a blessing in a lot of ways. It's been really nice to spend a lot of time with my fiance. It's been mm-hmm. great to sort of not have to worry about what am I going to do every day or whatever. But you start missing the world. Yes, <laughs> yes. your world becomes very small. And like big things become scary again and it's weird. Yeah. Have you noticed that? If you were to pick you up now and drop you into like go back to Grand Palace around New Year's and drop you into that crowd, I can guarantee you, you'd be very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. You know, even with this museum training that I'm doing, the first time I was even around like 20 people in like a little meeting hall was weird and a little bit uncomfortable. I remember the first time that I went into a restaurant and there were like people eating inside. You know, there is a lot to be said. You know, cases in the U.S. are way, way down. You know, hospitalizations are way, way down. The The vaccine is working how it's supposed to. And life is returning to normal. But I'm very, st- I'm still very wary. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put other people at risk. I'm not going to put myself at risk to do what? I mean, my idea of a vacation, if I'm not seeing like historical sites and things like that, has always sort of been to get away from people. I much prefer being in the mountains with very few people or being, you know, I like being on the ocean, Mm -hmm. but I I want to experience that with a few people, not big crowds. I'm not a big crowd person. I wasn't before the pandemic and I am definitely not now. I mean, I don't know how this goes with adventure. We sort of went on to COVID chat, but (laughs) whoops. But I, I feel like this is a shared experience for most people right now. Yeah, so I'm an English teacher, and I work online, and I have students from all around the world. I've had students from places like Kazakhstan, 
and Iran and Mauritius and Brazil, uh, Korea, South, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of these countries are very different. And typically you would think that there's not much in common. But in the last two years, we've all experienced the same thing. COVID has been a, a really big equalizer. No matter where you are in the world, everyone is socially distancing. Everybody is working from home. We're all having these experiences. There's something to talk about with everybody. Every country is handling it a little bit differently, so there's an interesting conversation topic. I mean, it's been fascinating. As someone that talks to a lot of people from many different countries, it's been really interesting to connect with people over the shared experience. I do like what you said about COVID being an equalizer, because it really is. <laughs> and it's, it's gotten me curious about how does how does everything go back to what it was? Will it go back to what it was? How does adventure return in the post-pandemic world? You know, there are urban adventures. There are outdoor adventures. Typically, everyone has their own definition of adventure, which we've talked about probably a million right. times. Not everyone wants to go out into the jungle or the mountains and things like that and experience those kinds of things, which are some of the few things that are left available mm -hmm. to do. You can still have those experiences. You can still go out and go into the world and go into nature and things like that. But you can't go experience Times Square or things like that, which are equally as adventurous. In a it's harder way. to have urban adventures. It's harder to have cultural adventures. Mm -hmm. you, you just can't be around that many people. So, But what, what does the world look like afterwards? How do we get back into that? So after this is all done, how do we overcome like our own internal whole hangups like we were talking about? Like our... Our, yeah. our discomfort <laughs> returning to that you know, normal. While COVID may have, may have sort of brought us all down to the same level or up to the same level, however you want to look at it, it's also made people very wary of other people, which is both good and bad. Good for the current situation, bad for general living. How can people sort of recapture, if I use the word innocence, does that make sense? You sort of... You know what I mean. How do we get back to it? How do we get back to wanting to experience these things? For a lot of people, we've fallen into kind of a comfort zone. Or um, mm -hmm. I've always liked what I read in uh, Bear Grylls' book. He doesn't call it the, the comfort zone. He calls it the comfort pit. He says it's something you have to dig yourself out of. It's a trap. You have to get yourself out. And I think that's a better way to think of it because it is kind of like that. You do have to work at it to get out of it. You know, where everyone is encouraged to get out of their comfort zone. That's how you find new things, new hobbies, new things you like, new friends, whatever. But no one ever talks about how difficult it can be. No, exactly. I was on some Reddit threads the other day, people wanting to get started camping that have never been camping before. Yeah. And it, it never struck me that that's a big thing. I mean, I've been camping since I was tiny, so I've just never thought about yeah. it. I've been with my dad since I was little. But if you're an adult going for the first time, especially if you don't have someone to go with, super That's intimidating. Pretty scary. I mean, and all these experiences are. I, I can't stress enough the importance of an adventure buddy. It's not, not necessary. Solo adventures mm -hmm. are great. But I, I am of the camp that having someone to share experiences with can make them much better. And you and I have been on many adventures together over the years. So we have each other as adventure partners. We have our fiancés as adventure partners. I don't see myself really going solo again. No, I don't I don't have much of a need to unless I'm on a visa run. Maybe if I want to I do want to experience like uh 
solo overnight, like backpacking or something like that. I feel like that would be Mm -hmm. a good experience, but I think having someone with you can really help you get back into it. For sure. Get someone, find a group, whatever, to really help you sort of get back into the things that you love or new things. I mean, how many people haven't seen their friends in a year and a half or, you know, longer? Yeah, that's a huge point. And I think that for us, this podcast kind of has us be virtual adventure buddies because we're still encouraging and motivating Mm -hmm. each other to get out. And I hope that this podcast can do that for our listeners as well. Yes, we are all of your adventure buddies. Yeah, so please email us anytime. So, James, during the pandemic, though, what have you done besides traveling? Because I know you've been out to the woods and you've been to the mountains a couple times. But what have you done? Have you done anything interesting to keep that adventure spirit while locked down? Early on in the pandemic, it sort of dwindled as things have sort of gotten back to normal. Um, I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of camping guides and things like that. I watched a lot of YouTube, yeah. a lot of YouTube, and it was all adventure stuff. It's all experiences. I did try my hand at the early pandemic bread baking. Everyone did. That was fun. You made cheese. I did indeed. Easier than you would think. I feel like we'll look back on the early pandemic and be like, that was kind of fun. (laughs) It was just the mid to late pandemic that became awful. (laughs) (laughs) I made a lot of promises to myself of when this is over, I'm going to do this, this, this. It's sort of whether they're just empty promises to yourself to keep you going or not, it sort of kept me hoping for the end of it. I need those things. Even now, I need those things. I need to plan. I need to Mm -hmm. have things I want to do. We talked about our bucket list adventures, and those alone will keep me going. Going online and making a gear list for Mm -hmm. a trip. The other day, I was looking up the Pacific Crest Trail, which goes from Mexico to Canada, and I made a gear list for it. I'm not going to do it. But I made a gear list for it. I was like, this is everything I need. And that keeps me going. It keeps the desire to do those things. I just think that the pandemic really helped me with that. It really helped me sort of invest myself in this podcast. Mm -hmm. and helped me sort of rethink my priorities in life and what I want out of life. And so there, there are some positives that came for it. You know, this episode kind of turned into how did COVID affect your adventures? It's just fine. I mean, what about you? What what did you do? Well, I mean, you're still sort of right in the middle of we're it. We're kind of you're... actually, well, it's weird because we, we didn't really have, we had one very serious mm-hmm. month where they locked everything down last year. And then from May to December last year, we had zero cases. So we were just normal. So we've had two kind of separate lockdowns. <laughs> I mean, we were still obviously being very careful during that time. We were still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. For a while, I really did just get stuck at home. I wasn't doing anything. First thing I did was I started doing virtual stuff when I was at home. Have you? I don't know if you've seen these ads on Facebook for like the virtual treks, things like that. Have you? Have you seen any of these? Mm-hmm. I did a couple of them, and they're a lot of fun. You know, there's these companies where you can, you know, you download their app and then you log your distance every day, and then you can look at Street View where you are, and you can do you can do the Pacific Crest Trail, you can do the Camino de Santiago, you can do Mount Fuji or whatever. You just sign up for different ones. They're different links. Mm. And you can look at your street view where you are each time you log your distance. And at the end, you get a cool medal. And along the way, you get these virtual postcards that teach you about the history and the culture of the place that you're doing it. Uh, The one I really like is called The Conqueror. 
because they have great, great postcards that teach you all about like the place that you're virtually trekking through. I'm looking that up right now. The Conqueror.events. Conqueror Challenge. I'm guessing. Yep, Conqueror Virtual So yeah, challenge. you just choose the distance that you want to do. And the medals are awesome. The medals are alone, alone are a reason to do it. The Facebook community is fantastic. So that really helped me to kind of feel like I was on an adventure and um, kind of inspired me as well because I yeah, signed up for really the Mount cool. Fuji one early on. And now I really want to, after learning all about Mount Fuji and what the trek is like, I, I want to do the real thing as soon as I can. So that definitely helped me. Also, just what we've talked about, seeing the world differently, things like photography, just forcing yourself to get out and, and kind of look at your own hometown, as we talked about in that early episode. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've done, really. I've also spent a lot of time on YouTube, you know, especially before I started camping again, kind of relearning camping because I had taken so many years in between that I hadn't been camping. Being online helped me a lot. You know, this pandemic was made infinitely better by the existence of the Internet. I think that if this had happened in the 80s, it would have been oh, man. disastrous. Can you imagine if, if this happened without internet? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nobody would have been able to work. Nobody would have been able to study. We couldn't you, do we this. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do anything. Like, what, what would you do? Read? I mean, there's only so much you can read in two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... And I like reading, but after a point, you're just I mean, like, I don't no want to internet, read There's no internet, there's no ebooks, so also, you're going to run out of books to read pretty quickly. Yeah, and if you can't go to the store and buy a book, you're just going to be like, uh, right. <laughs> uh, drooling on your couch. <laughs> I do wonder how travel is going to be changing, because domestic adventures, I feel like, are going to be getting back to normal pretty soon. But let's talk yeah. about how travel is going to be changing, and how we can keep doing that in the future. Because I can't speak for every country, but I can speak for Thailand. It's still very difficult to enter Thailand. It's theoretically possible right now to enter Thailand. You can, but it's not easy. And it doesn't look like they're going to be making it any easier anytime soon. Yeah, and sort of this, the second wave that y'all are getting, you know, I, I'm i trying to get up there for, you know, your wedding. And right now I'm like, I don't know if I can. I was planning on coming back home to the U.S., but I can't because I can't come back to Thailand if I do so. Problem is, if I leave here, I would have to, you know, I'd have to get a visa, but now you can only get the visa from the embassy in Washington. And, you know, you have to have COVID insurance, of course, and you have to get a certificate Mm -hmm. of entry, which means you have to test negative 72 hours before you, you know, before you land in Thailand, which means you need to get that certificate you know, you have to get the test and certificate like as soon as you can because the flight itself is like 24 hours, mm-hmm. but it needs to be 72 hours before. And then once you land, you have to have been vaccinated already with a certain vaccine and you have to have been vaccinated for two weeks in advance. And then you still have to quarantine. And it's really difficult and very expensive to get in right now. Yeah. And flights aren't cheap. I was looking and I expected them to be yeah. cheap. You know, no one's traveling, but it's the opposite. Yeah. You know, the government is planning to launch what they call the the Phuket sandbox, which is where they're going to be turning the island of Phuket into a quarantine zone. So instead of being stuck at your hotel, you're just simply stuck on Phuket Island, which is nice. But also, that's that's two weeks. I mean, who's going to have two weeks to sit on a beach before their vacation starts? Most people aren't even going to be in Thailand for two weeks. So travel is much slower now. You can't just hop somewhere for a weekend anymore like you could before. Unless you're a senator going to Mexico to avoid his constituents during a blizzard. (laughs) Is he in Alaska yet? Do we know? 
Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I think that it will be interesting to see, and, and you know, I can't really tell yet what it's going to look like, but it will be interesting to see how people do reclaim their adventures afterwards. I think that we're turning more to the outdoors, and I hope we are, but it will be interesting to see how travel changes. Camping and stuff has gone way more popular. Are people going to still fly? I'm, I'm nervous about flying. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Flying still makes me nervous. I've driven everywhere I've been since then, you know? Right. I mean, I've flown a few times, but it was in the in-between times here in Thailand where we didn't really have mm-hmm. any cases. And we were still, we wore like two masks and, um, you know, obviously there was no drink service or food service on the flight. I don't know. No, flying makes me nervous. Yeah. Still, I'd rather just drive. I can control that. Will people go back to these big outdoor things, these big festivals and big, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Is there going to be a line of people four hours long waiting to get into the Empire State Building like there always is? Is it going to be the same? Is the world going back to normal or is, you know, this normal? Yeah, and how do we hang on to our adventurous spirit in the light of this new normal? Like, how do we continue adventuring or have different adventures? I think that's the big question, and that's what's going to be interesting to see going forward. Are urban adventures going to become harder? Cultural adventures? like Those are already harder. Some of the best encounters that I've had in Thailand, because Thailand's really the only place I can really speak to as a tourist, yeah, as a foreign tourist, because I haven't really been anywhere else. Some of the best experiences are just interactions with people. Mm-hmm. Well, like Songkran. Songkran's been different for two years. There's been no water. You know, it's just been about the spiritual side of it, the blessings and things like that. But the big party side has been canceled. And yeah, you can argue, okay, then it's getting back to its roots. But also, that's what the holiday is nowadays. It's a water fight, mm-hmm. and they've canceled that for good reason. But I just wonder how that's going to go back. Is that going to change permanently? Is it going to be different from now on? I don't know. The fact is that the world is different now than it was a year and a half ago. This thing that we honestly had no control over just sort of stopped the world. Yeah. For over a year. The tourism industry as a whole is just struggling horribly. Well, and I can say Thailand, they're reconsidering their entire economic model. You know, now 20% of the economy is based on tourism. They're saying they want to reduce the number of tourists in the future. They don't want as many tourists to come in. They, they just don't want to rely on it as much. And I think they kind of prefer it without so many people here. I know it's probably been great for y'all. <laughs> Well, yes, we expats have been treated with a lot more respect because there's no tourists now. They don't assume that we're tourists anymore. So it's been a lot nicer. <laughs> and you've been able to do things because y'all did have that. I'm going to call it the, the break. You had a break. In between times. Yeah. <laughs> In between times where you were able to go do all these cool things that you wouldn't have been able to do with other people there. Yeah. Like when I went kayaking in the canal and, and all crazy. this crazy stuff yeah is it wrong to wish that there wouldn't be tourists because then you're taking away from other people's adventures and it's a different perspective for me it's a different thing for me to say obviously i think oh there I, I don't want a bunch of tourists running around i think it should be harder to get in but that's just me mm-hmm. being selfish because a lot of people's livelihoods depend upon it i mean the guy that rents kayaks on the beach what's he going to do in the COVID times. I mean, when I say 20% of the economy, that's a massive chunk. That's huge. That's restaurants, that's buses, drivers, cafes, hotels. It's not the obvious stuff, you know, massages, souvenir shops. You stayed at a hotel, Mm -hmm. right? And there was like nobody there. Yeah. 
they only had a couple items on their menu because, and it was the only restaurant on the beach was the hotel restaurant and they could only make a few things because there was just no one there. They had like two people working. It's probably awesome. I mean, but it's also kind of creepy. It was great, but yeah, you feel bad for the people who live there because especially down there, we were in Krabi. I mean, that tourism is like the entire economy down there. Yeah. That's why they're so desperate for this Phuket model to to work. Mm -hmm. Even in the U.S. it struggled. And that's with people that live in those places being able to take advantage of it again. Exactly. You know, the national parks are one of the few things that didn't struggle. Everyone was flocking outside because it was one of the few things you could do. But I know theme parks struggled, restaurants everywhere struggled. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've even got places that are trying to turn inoculations into a form of adventure travel, like the Maldives in their vaccination program, or Guam and its Air V&V vacation and vaccination program that they're running. There were even some ski resorts in Colorado that were offering like $20 lift tickets if you got the vaccine. They had like a tent set up. Mm-hmm. And you could go get your vaccine, pay $20, and you get a lift ticket when normally it's like 150 I mean, it's right. sometimes people need those incentives. I'm interested. I, I do want to say to anyone listening to this, how has COVID affected you? How yeah. has it affected how you travel or adventure? Has it changed how you think of adventure? Because like you, Michael, you you turn to virtual things, virtual experiences, virtual adventures, whereas I relied more on dreaming about them. (laughs) What am I going to do when this is done? Right. And that's valid. That's really good. I mean, I've been doing a lot of dreaming and planning Mm -hmm. as well. I think that's important. But I think you took a better step than me in that you were like, okay, well, I can't go out and do this right now. So I'm going to find another way to sort of experience it. And I think that's really awesome. And I, I wish I had thought of that sooner. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's not too late. Pandemic's not over. You can still do this. Get on, get on Airbnb you know, the Airbnb experiences, those are all really good. I've been even thinking mm-hmm. about doing a Japanese tea ceremony. Maybe we can try to find a time that we can both join a, yes. <laughs> a virtual tea ceremony together. Get some matcha. You know, I, I do want to do this Conqueror thing. They're very, very fun. And the community on Facebook is great. I kind of want to do like the shortest one first so I can get a medal. Yeah, that, I think that's the English Channel. It's like 20 mm-hmm. miles. But I mean, they have some crazy ones like... The Pacific Crest Trail is 2,400 miles. I mean, some of these you can like, I mean, and you set your own time limits. You you give yourself a limit. You can either say I'm going to do this 90 days or I'm going to do this in like two years. I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> you. You set your own time and it keeps track. It tells you like, you know, you've passed 25% of your time and 30% of, you know, your distance. Well done. It'll kind of tell you like where you are. That's cool. It's very cool. It's fun. I would definitely. Okay. I haven't tried it yet, but I highly recommend it. It looks really awesome. And you get a medal. Everyone likes getting medals. Yeah. So I started doing that uh, around New Year's and it's cool. I've done the English channel. I've, I did Mount Fuji. Yeah. Mount Fuji was a, a really good one. Mount Fuji was a lot of fun. And I like how they send you postcards to like keep you motivated. Yeah. And the postcards teach you. You learn something as you're doing it. And you can follow yourself on Street View in the app. Like it shows you where you would be virtually on your trail. That's really cool. Yeah. One day, one day we'll have to do some of these in real life. I'm seriously planning Mount Fuji as soon as possible. Yes, as soon as we can get to Japan, we need to get to Japan. Yeah. And I do want to do at least part of the Pacific Crest Trail. And I would I would love if you came with. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be that'd be super cool. Not the whole thing. I have no interest in walking for six months, two thousand four hundred miles. None. Yeah, no. no. But like going through like California. Go up there, spend like a week or so. That would be great. I would totally do that. 
I would totally do that. You know, let's have an episode about the national trails. There's like seven of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just Appalachian and Pacific Crest. There's like a bunch. So those virtual adventures have really helped me recapture my adventuring spirit when I can't get out. I wish I had sort of discovered some of those things earlier on and didn't just fall into. Yeah, but you know what? That's that's what I was thinking like a year ago. And <laughs> like here we still are. Like I don't think it's too late. I think that this is still going to be going on for maybe another year. That's probably true. I definitely thought this was going to be over. Like our bachelor trip to Japan has already been postponed. Oh, it's, it's not happening. I mean, <laughs> there's no way we're going to be there in March. No, we can't. <laughs> we're supposed to. We're supposed to go in March, man. We thought we thought we were giving ourselves so much time. Like, oh, it's over a year. It's plenty of time. Well, look at that. And I, I do want to revisit this topic, like in six months, maybe, and see what yeah how things have changed. Yeah, let's do mm-hmm. that. You know, this this episode started with sort of how did we rediscover our adventure spirit? And it sort of turned into how has that been affected by what everyone in the world has gone through? I want to issue a call to our listeners. If you have had an adventure that's been either informed by COVID or that's been influenced or that's been changed by COVID, or if your personal style of travel and adventure is going to be changing going forward, please write in. Or if you have an interesting way that you have recaptured your your adventure spirit during COVID, write in as well. I know mine has. My way of travel has changed. I don't want to fly anymore. I don't really want to be around a bunch of people. I've always been in, into nature and getting out in the wilderness and things like that, but that's just sort of been reinforced. It definitely probably helped my fiance and I's decision to move closer to it because it's like, well, that's, if we're going to be here all the time, we might as well live here. Well, I'm excited for you guys to do that, and when slash if I ever get back to the U.S. again, I will definitely be coming to Colorado this time for sure. Yes. I love Colorado. I haven't been in years, but... uh, I love it. It is a cool state. It's disproportionately cool. Remember that time we went to Vail in the summer? That was amazing. I love that. I have to find that hilarious picture of us on the mountain where we're like... Yeah. Victorious. (sighs) Adventures. Colorado's great. That's my point. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Colorado. (laughs) All right. Well, that's about all I got for that. You ready to uh, move on to our favorite segment? Adventures in the news. And this week, it's your turn. What have you got for us? I have um, something from National Geographic. Now, I can't post the article because I will not subscribe. Sorry, Nat Geo. So I don't have a ton of information about it, but did you know that there is technically a new ocean? Where is it? There is a new ocean. It is the large band of ocean around Antarctica that has been reclassified as the Southern Ocean by the National Geographic Cartographers. That's pretty cool. It would have once been considered part of the Pacific, but there's apparently enough going on with it to be reclassified as a new ocean. Well, that's very cool. I had no idea. So Atlantic, Pacific, Arctic, Indian, Southern. I think there are five oceans. There are seven seven seas. I know that. Yeah, but the seven seas are like, seas are inland, though. The seven seas were like the Caspian Sea, the Black Sea. Which is a lake. (laughs) You can't really sail the seven seas. Huh. Some of them you can. The Caribbean is a sea. That's true. What are the seven seas? Let's let's see. The seven seas. I'm going to tell you what the seven seas are. <laughs> uh, the seven seas. So originally, 
The Seven Seas were the Persian Gulf, the Arabian Sea, the Bay of Bengal, the Strait of Malacca, the Singapore Strait, the Gulf of Thailand, and the South China Sea. That was mm-hmm. uh, in medieval Arabian literature. That's how they classified it. Uh, in medieval Europe, they classified it as the Adriatic, the Mediterranean, the Black Sea, the Caspian Sea, the Persian Gulf, the Arabian Sea, and the Red Sea. So there were two kind of ways of looking at it. Um, nowadays, it says the term now, and this is very recent, as of 2021, can be taken to refer to the seven oceans, the Arctic, the Atlantic, the South Atlantic, the Indian, the North Pacific, the South Pacific, and the Southern Ocean. Ooh, so, okay. So now there are seven oceans. Maybe that's why they did it, to kind of fit the fit the trope. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I took an oceanography course in college. It was a science class. I took weird classes in college. Everyone does. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm, that looks fun. It's like anyone that takes geology that thinks it's going to be interesting. It is not. Rocks for jocks. Do you guys call it that too, or is that just Baylor? <laughs> Probably just, I mean, I've heard it before, but we didn't call it that. But, but I took it at community college, so we didn't have jocks because oh, okay. there was no sports. Yeah. No, all the um, all the jocks took, uh, as a science class, they took geology. And as a language, they all took Swahili because apparently it was the easiest. Why? I don't know. What? I don't know. It That's was, cool. Came, it became kind of a meme. I don't know. There's, there's <laughs> just like a bunch of like semi-proficient Swahili jocks. That, yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. That's my ocean news. Uh, listeners, thanks again for listening as always. Just one more reminder to please participate in our monthly challenge. Take a picture of a bird and send it to us. Hello at attemptadventure.com. Subject line challenge. You can also send it to us on Instagram. Hashtag attemptadventure. Don't forget to visit our website attemptadventure.com where you can find show notes for the episode as well as our official blog and all sorts of other fun stuff. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube attemptadventure. You can find us on Twitter at attemptpod but haven't done much with it yet. You can always email us, hello at attemptadventure.com, or click on that little button on our website and email us right there from your browser. We are always happy to hear from you. And until next time, keep adventuring. <laughs>